Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com. Luke chapter 24, verses 45 through 49. It says, Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written, The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is the very end of Luke's gospel, where Jesus has risen from the dead, and before he ascends up to the right hand of the Father, he gives them instructions on what they are to do and what's ahead of them. And one of the lines that has uh, just sparked intrigue uh, for generations has been that the instruction to stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And I think that this, this promise given to the disciples is speaking, what we find out later, to the Holy Spirit. We're in a series right now called Form and Fire, where we are talking about what it means to be a spirit-filled church. What does it mean to be a people marked by the Spirit of God? And the Holy Spirit was, uh, was central to the message of Jesus, that it was not only his presence here on earth, but it was his spirit that would come after him, that it continues to animate and fill and lead and empower the church of Jesus Christ. And I think that when it comes to the topic of the Holy Spirit, there can be a lot of mystery. There can be a lot, sometimes confusion. And so our hope in this series is to kind of help create a framework for us all to to move forward in our understanding, but more than our understanding, in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because right here it talks about that this Holy Spirit will clothe us with power. And I think it speaks to a deep longing that every single human being has, this longing that there must be more. Not just, I want to get more or acquire more, but I want to be more. I want to, the place of where I come, the things that I do, to come from a place of more. And I think that that longing, whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, is really ultimately fulfilled by Jesus. Thomas Kelly, the the 19th century author says that we have hints that there is a way of life vastly richer and deeper than all this hurried existence, a life of unhurried serenity and peace and power. If only we could slip over into that center. The Holy Spirit was given in the language that the New Testament authors use is that it's a gift. Luke chapter 11 Jesus is speaking to his disciples about prayer. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks. The doors will be opened. This sense of there, there's more ahead of us that we can be longing for and grasping for and asking for. And 
It says, which of your fathers, if your sons asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? One of the things I love about this is that Jesus frames our earthly ability as fathers to give good gifts to our children to be in contrast. says, you you actually who are evil, you're flawed, you can't do this well. says, how much more so? Does the Father give? Now remember the context of this is ask for what you want, seek and knock. But he kind of summarizes all of this, that the gift that the Father gives more than just the requests that we want from him or the things that we desire from him is in the person of the Holy Spirit. He's the gift. The Holy Spirit is the true essence of our longing. And so what's so special about this gift? What, what is this? Why does Jesus speak so highly of giving of the Holy Spirit? Acts chapter 1, when it talks about kind of the beginning of the church, it says, do not leave Jerusalem. This is Jesus talking to, to his disciples. But wait for the gift my father's promised. What you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so we want to kind of open up today's message around the idea that the Holy Spirit is a gift, but he's a gift who comes with power. You notice that the the teaching text today, Luke 24, says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been what? Clothed with power from on high. So there seems to be these connecting themes for Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is a gift and the Holy Spirit gives power. So what does it mean for us to be clothed with power, to receive the gift that gives us power. Uh, recently, um, I had sold a, an electric skateboard uh, that I had for a couple of years. And one thing that I had realized is that this electric skateboard was was amazing. It's almost too amazing for me. And the older that I got, the more I realized that I could very well hurt myself with how quick it was. And so I was selling it. I was selling it to a dad who's going to give it to his son. They lived out in Lakeside and they had the kind of these dirt tracks and he was so excited on it. And he's, and he's checking out the skateboard. He's like, can I try it? I'm like, sure, but just know it's got more power and more kick than you think it does. And he's like, oh, I used to be a professional skateboarder. It's not, it's not a big deal. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, just go really slowly on the trigger. And, and so he gets on the skateboard and starts to pull it slowly. And it just jolts him forward. And luckily, he knew what he was doing and was able to hold on. And he just yelled out some explicitives in my cul-de-sac. Um, if just pure excitement and he's like man my son's gonna love this and um and he began to start telling me like kind of his plan to give the gift to his son as a birthday present but then to train him that this gift comes with a sense of power that there needs to be a sense of understanding what this gift does in order for it to operate in the way that it was meant to do And so what does it mean for us to be clothed with power from the Holy Spirit? Well, the word clothed in duo in the Greek is translated to clothe oneself, to put on. And one translator says to sink into clothing. 
So when we think of clothing with the Holy Spirit, with power, it's less our doing and it's more of our sinking into. If you were to throw a rock into water, it's not like the rock's working really hard to sink into that water. He just absorbs himself into it. I think that's the point. I think, unfortunately, there have been camps and traditions that try and and, and kind of push the Holy Spirit into a segment of those who operate in a certain way or have enough faith. But really what you see is that it's from the Heavenly Father's heart to give this gift, to empower the empower us and our job is just to be clothed to sink in to that and so I, I wanted to just spend a few minutes because I think that it's we can all arrive at this point that the Holy Spirit is a gift and that this gift comes to empower us but one thing I've been really wrestling through is what does that look like what does it mean for us to be a church that is empowered by the Spirit of God? What does it mean for you as a follower of Jesus to be empowered with the Spirit of God? And so I want to just kind of leave you with five different ways we see the Scripture pointing to the effects of when we are walking in the power of the Spirit. Number one, that it moves us towards prayer with authority, perceiving with clarity peace beyond reasonability, purity in the midst of depravity, and producing love supernaturally. Last week we read this quote by Francis Chan. It says, The world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation, and the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different and the world cannot help but notice. How, how does that look like? It looks like prayer and perceiving peace, purity, and producing love. So I want to just give you a quick, quick note on what the Bible says about each of these five different ways that an empowered life through the Spirit looks. The first one being prayer with authority. You notice in Acts chapter 3, that as soon as the disciples are filled with the Spirit of God, the very next story says, Then Peter said, he's walking up to the temple and he sees this person asking for money. He says, Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them in the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So what happened to the disciples? What happened to them is that the Holy Spirit had empowered them, that their prayers were effective. Luke Luke told us this in Luke chapter 10. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in the harvest field. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Stop right there. Do you ever think about that? Like, does that seem like a good game plan? Jesus sending lambs out among wolves? Listen to what he says. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. 
And then Jesus says to them a few verses later, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And so I think one of the first things that marks the life of the believer that is filled and clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit is that when we pray, that we can pray with authority. And I have to be honest, when it comes to this topic, it's one that I wrestle with. And maybe you do too. Because there's moments that I've prayed with all the faith that I have and the outcome has been different than I wanted. There's been times where it feels like when I'm praying with authority that it feels that I'm trying to manipulate God. But I think when we start to realize that it's with the Father's blessing and gift that he's given us this authority, then in our prayers, in our requests to God, in our seeking for justice for the oppressed, in our asking for him to move his kingdom to come and his will to be done, that we don't do this passively shrinking back as a servant, but powerfully operating in the authority as a son or as a daughter. And that changes everything. I think about the, the moments my kids are not old enough that if they want to go buy something at the snack shack at a sports game, like I give them my debit card. And it would be strange if my children just looked at me and surveyed the debit card and says, Dad, I, I, just, I would like to see your bank account first uh, before I make this decision if I'm going to spend it. But it's out of the relationship that they have me, with me as their father that they go and they, and they spend. And there's a lot they don't know and there's a lot that they don't have to know. But it's out of their relationship that they have been given authority by their father to go and spend that. And so I just think a simple encouragement for us is if we are to live clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit, to pray, not, not empty prayers lacking faith, but really resting in, sinking back into the incredible relationship we have from, from our Heavenly Father. Ian Bounds in his book, Power Through Prayer, says, What the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more and and novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use, men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Spirit does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but men, men of prayer. And obviously this word men is talking about humanity. It's talking about men and women, but I love Ian Bowne's thing. is like, God has not come upon machinery or methods, but upon men and women of prayer, operating that authority. The second thing that we see that marks the life of the believer clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit is we have an ability to perceive with clarity. We see things differently because of the Holy Spirit. Look what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. It says, The Spirit searches all things and even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in the words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept these things that can come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, 
But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I mean, think about this. The Spirit searches all things, even the hidden things of God. And that Spirit now lives with inside us, meaning that we don't see things the way those without the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of them sees things. Why? Because there is the living God inside of us who knows all things. And so, you know, culture that wants to define reality by circumstances, we define reality by the promise of God. In a culture that wants to define reality by things that are temporal, we define reality by things that are eternal. When we live in a culture that wants to define things by how they are, we define things by redemption and what God can do in the midst of them. We see things differently. Charles Spurgeon says, Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. And I love this. Um, When we operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, we have an ability to see things through a different lens. I love wrestling with my son, Augustine. And when we're wrestling, he comes up with these different powers that he has. And for some reason, I don't get to have them. But one of them is he just has invisible power. And when we're wrestling, all of a sudden, he can see what I can't see. I can't see him anymore while we're playing, but yet he can see me. And so his ability to operate gives him the advantage. And in the same way, we have a power to see things differently, which means that we get to operate with a different way of seeing reality. And so I just want to encourage you this week that if you have looked at the circumstances in your life and it has produced anxiety, to ask the Holy Spirit to help you see them differently, that it would actually fill you with hope and redemption. That if you're looking at things and it's, it's producing within you a sense of pride, that you would ask the Holy Spirit to let you see them differently. This is actually God's doing and not the work of your own hands. So whatever way you are seeing things skewed by our own temporal human vision, would you just ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to see things more clearly? The next thing is that we have peace beyond reasonability. Philippians 4 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think this is so powerful. One of the unique gifts of the Holy Spirit is our ability to have the peace of Christ residing in our hearts, even when it supersedes our understanding. Because I don't know about you, but oftentimes it's when I'm trying to achieve peace through understanding that sometimes things go worse. That in my over-analysis of the situation, in my attempt to control things, that it actually produces and works of worry inside of me. But it's the moments when I can rest and relax and with thanksgiving make my request known to the Lord that the peace of Christ comes and guards my heart and my mind. It's this peace that surpasses, it goes beyond understanding. I think this is why Jesus in Matthew 6 says, but seek first his kingdom. It's righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
And so I think what God is offering us in the, in the realm of peace is not just a sense of tranquility because we've learned some great therapeutic methods, but it's himself. We have the one who calms the wind and the waves. We have the one who's conquered death. We have the one enthroned on high, his spirit indwelling in us. And that speaks peace to us. C.S. Lewis says that God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it's not there. There is no such thing. God cannot give us peace apart from God because there is no such thing. It's why the Holy Spirit gives us that. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit gives us an ability to, to walk in purity in the midst of a depraved culture and a depraved humanity. In Galatians 5, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you, do not, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and even an envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I love what Paul says is that the spirit and your flesh, the flesh in the Greek is this word called sarks. And it really, it doesn't mean like kind of the evil part of you. It means the human part of you. Sarks is your natural bent to do what just feels right for you. And he says inside of you right now, the spirit of God and your flesh are at war. They want what is contrary to each other. You see, our flesh will choose what we want now instead of what we want most. I'm going to say that again. Our flesh chooses, chooses what we want now where the Spirit of God chooses what we want most. And so we have the ability in a, in a culture that wants to continue to give us a narrative of just choose what you want what you want now. It's yours. You deserve it. No one has the right to tell you you don't deserve it. And if there's a God who's telling you not to get what you want, then that's no God at all. And at the same time, the Spirit of God inside of us is just saying, actually, it's not what I want now. It's what I want most. It's a life marked by the kingdom of God and the things of God. Which leads into our, our last one, that the Holy Spirit gives us the ability, empowers us to live a life producing love supernaturally. The very next line says that, but the fruit of the Spirit, we know what the works of the flesh are, what our natural bent is towards. But when the Spirit of God takes root inside of us, the fruit of the Spirit is love. He goes on to define what love is that we'll talk about in a few weeks from now in, in all of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Many theologians believe that, 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 that love is the umbrella term for all of the other fruits. It's what the Spirit of God produces inside of us as his people. Is that all of a sudden we now operate differently. We now operate as agents of heaven here on earth. That the reality that God has set up for all of eternity to be marked by love. That we can live in this world that is filled with the desire to just get what our self wants now. To operate in a self-giving kind of way. Dallas Willard in his book, Hearing God, as he writes about attuning our hearts to the Holy Spirit. 
This is that individually the, the disciple and friend of Jesus who has learned to work shoulder to shoulder with his or her Lord stands in a world as a point of contact between heaven and earth. A kind of Jacob's ladder by which the angels, angels of God may ascend from and descend into human life. Thus, the disciple stands as an envoy or a receiver by which the kingdom of God is conveyed into the, every quarter of human affairs. I love that. The, the believer is the one who is an envoy, a receiver so that it can go and be displayed and conveyed into every quarter of human life. Which is why I think that in in the biblical text that is the most concentrated teaching on the Holy Spirit, which is 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, right in between these this long discourse on how the Holy Spirit moves is a chapter on love. Paul begins it by saying, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So what does it mean for us to be empowered? by the Holy Spirit, it means that as those who are now filled with the Spirit of God, when we talk to God, we pray with authority that is empowered, clothed with power from on high, that we have the ability to see things differently, to perceive with clarity, to have a prophetic lens, that we have the ability to have peace beyond reasonability, beyond our understanding, that because the Spirit lives inside of us, we're empowered to live in purity amidst depravity. And lastly, And I would argue most importantly that the Holy Spirit empowers us to live a life that produces love. That it is the more excellent way that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. So how do we do this? How do we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit? And and I think that if we are to be clothed with power from on high, and it's we're sinking into that Our heart needs to become the inner sanctuary. We need to house the presence of God. And when we do that, when our life becomes the receptacle, when it becomes the container for the Spirit of God, all of a sudden that begins to spill out for the sake of others. Again, Thomas Kelly, I was reading his book, A Testament of Devotion, this week, and I I loved his framework for this. He says, Deep within us all, there is an amazing inner sanctuary of the soul, a holy place, a divine center, a speaking voice to which we may continuously return. Eternity is at our hearts, pressing upon our time-torn lives, calling us home unto itself. And in brief intervals of overpowering visitation, we are able to carry the sanctuary frame of mind out into the world, into its turmoil and its fitfulness. In the center of creation, all things are ours, and we are Christ's, and Christ is God's. We are ready to run and not be weary, and to walk and not faint. So my friends, I just want to leave you with a benediction from Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we ask that now you would give us that gift of the Holy Spirit, that you would allow us to not live a life just desiring more, but a life that is marked by more, more of you.
filled with the Spirit, a people of prayer, a people of perceiving correctly, a people of peace, a people of purity, a people of producing love. The Holy Spirit, that you would truly mark our lives outside of our own ability and strength and a life marked by your power. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com.